Hello and welcome to Architecture Out of Sight, a podcast where I talk about architecture, design and stuff in between. I'm Steven, the architect. It's been an interesting week in the world of architecture. One of my most favorite architects just won the Pritzker Award and he just happens to be the first African to win that award, which is very exciting. I was supposed to do an episode on the podcast for Wednesday, but the announcement had come a day before that and I didn't have enough time to prepare something else and I just really wanted to do something on Francis Kerry because someone I'm so um, inspired by. So I decided to move the episode for the week to Friday. And it kind of fits in in a way because, you know, architecture out of sight is supposed to be this space for conversation after we've quote-unquote gotten out of sight. So after the architecture for the day or for the week is done, we get together like under a tree kind of setting, you know, that kind of thing, and just talk about our industry and our practice and our experience and everything. So it's kind of fitting that this is on a Friday evening and I'm kind of being tempted to continue producing episodes for just Fridays only, every Friday of the week. We'll see how that goes. But before we get into today's conversation, that jazz that I love, here comes... I had discovered Francis Kerry at a very interesting point in my life. I think it was in 2019. I had just passed out from camp and I really wanted to work in a good architecture firm because, you know, that's like the setting out for anyone, for your career and all that. So I didn't just want to work in any place. So for a while I was, you know, jobless and it was crazy. It was really, really messing with my mind at some point i had some really great places i interviewed for but none of them got in and (laughs) up to that point i had this really high impression of myself as a very good designer as a very good architect but then going through that phase where i just kept interviewing for roles and never got any kind of put a dent in my confidence so i had started applying for international competitions Go to Art Daily, select um, competitions that I feel I'll be really good at, and then just run through them. So one of those com- competitions I had picked, I think it was a it was a school that was supposed to be built in. Um, I think I can't really remember, but one of these West African countries, one of these low income West African countries, and it was supposed to be. A school for a village. I think it's Burkina Faso as well. Um, or one of those countries. So I had seen this design competition and, and had entered for it. But then I had to do, you know, case studies and research to get my head around the design um, solution. So the brief was for a low-income, low-budget um primary 
secondary school i think primary secondary and kindergarten i think or just kindergarten and primary school and it was supposed to be built with local materials local techniques it's supposed to be built by the villagers and up up until that time most of my interaction most of, most of my engagement with architecture and design had been you know the flashy concrete steel um aluminium glass and all those you know fancy materials that usually lead to designs that you see on the covers of magazines and all that i I hadn't really done much on regional and cultural architecture save for when we did a little course on that in school but beyond that course i had never done anything that was fully or wholly targeted at regional architecture so it was a first for me and i was kind of lost so i had to find my bearing started doing research and then came across this school in Gandu and it just blew my mind because the moment you see it it's so simple yet it's so it gives off this complexity this sophistication and then when you now find out the process how it came about and everything it was just so so I started to research I started to read about the school, then read about the architects, then read about the place. And it just became a rabbit hole that I got sucked in. I mean, I kept reading about more and more of of Francis's designs and his philosophy and everything. And it, it just became, in fact, I became so invested in that particular competition because I just really needed to do something as inspiring as awesome as what francis had done we didn't eventually complete that competition because i was part of a team and for various reasons we didn't eventually complete that competition but he had or it had or that that entire phase had left a very very important mark on my life because ever since that time there was a new level of consciousness there was a new appreciation for for architecture that was very contextual that, that that was in touch with the people the place the process architecture that was not necessarily targeted at being flashy but architecture that just needed to solve a contextual problem in the best way possible and since then up until now francis had has been one of my topmost architects a couple of weeks ago i had seen this poll on ag daily where i think they do they do it almost every year where they um they put together a list of different architects that are likely to win the pritzker for the year there were a couple of other architects on that poster that I love, Stephen Hall. Uh, Stephen Hall was one of my, I think Stephen Hall is my godfather in architecture because he was one of the first people that I had encountered their works and had got me so passionate about architecture. I didn't publish the episode where I talked about him, but I think I'll do an episode about him because he was one of the people, the architect that got me really, really hooked on architecture. So he was on that list. Biak Ingels, Biak Ingels is like my, I don't know. I love Biak Ingels. I love his designs. I love Big. Um, there was Ajayi. Ajayi is also someone I respect very, very much. Uh, there was um, Tatiana. I always forget her surname. Tatiana something. I think she's a really great architect as well. She was on that list as well. 
um and then there was francis Carey. i mean so the point i'm trying to make is that there were lots of great architects and aside from those ones yeah there were other people that i've mentioned that don't really know those ones i've not really um come across or encountered their designs but from the ones from the people i did it was like it was a very competitive list but the moment i had seen francis on that poster on that board immediately i had picked him i wanted him to win because beyond just doing great architecture he has this level of passion that he, sometimes it's very hard if you've watched him speak it's very hard for him to keep it in he kind of fidgets a bit because I think there's just this amazing, this this intense amount of passion that he's trying to contain at once, and it kind of is hard. It's visibly hard sometimes to just keep it in, and he he becomes quite animated sometimes. And I was just like, someone that has this much passion for the kind of architecture he he, he does, for the kind of architecture that is targeted at 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 people that's very empathetic. I I I really wanted him to win. Because that's the kind of architecture I subscribe to. I want architecture that really, really speaks to the people and the places that um, that is directed at. I, I love the concept or the philosophy of architecture with a very huge bearing on the on the human scale. And Francis Carey, on that list, as far as I was concerned, on that list, Francis Carey was the only person that I know that has embodied and has pursued that creed in in the most in the most emph- em- emphatic way in the most enthusiastic way so i just really wanted him to win and well he did and i was very happy i, I mean when when i saw that notification i was mind blown i was very very happy i mean i, I can't even express how happy i was and this is someone that i just know from the internet and I was really, really happy. Now, there's a significance to this whole story. And that's why I decided that I was going to do an episode on it. And that significance is part of what I'm going to be talking about. In in considering our position, our disposition towards traditional, towards regional architecture, as young architects, young Nigerian architects, it's very apparent that most of us don't really regard regional architecture that much. For many reasons, I think, but probably because we, some of us believe uh, engaging in traditional or in regional architecture, pursuing regional architecture is probably not going to position us as smart or innovative or, you know, current architects. Um, it's going, it, it, it's, um, for other people, it's probably because most clients want, you know, the flashy new quote and unquote new type of architecture with you know fine um well not fine with current materials or with trending materials rather with trending materials and trending um design styles and all that and most people just want to feed most people just want to make a living and which is and there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing there's absolutely nothing wrong with that but what it has led to is this situation in the industry where we have regional architecture basically dying or probably even dead because there's almost no place no city in nigeria except for probably the north 
and some other rare places where you see regional architecture that has been developed from historic um, styles and developed and progressively developed to something that bears a huge inspiration from the past but is still very very relevant and contextual to the present times i i don't think if if anyone knows a place a society like that or a city in nigeria like that then i'm very glad um to get a referral so that i can do some personal research on that but rarely rarely do you see a place like that and that's the situation of the industry right now there's a couple of or there are a couple of renegade architects that are very vehement about maintaining those those traditional philosophies those vernacular from the past but they're very very scarce and in between and not 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 to talk like i'm better or something of like from a high place or like i'm looking down my nose because even me, I mean, up until recently, I didn't really regard um, that type of architecture. I remember that there's there's um, there's this architect, architect um, GP Gospel. I used to I used to have this kind of um, weird feeling that time when he was always posting things about cultural architecture and everything. And at some point, I'd be like, just give it a break, man. You know, everything has to be mud and and wood and all that but then at that point i was young so i probably didn't realize that there was a maturity that there's a, there was a level of maturity he had got into to really appreciate those things that i had not got into yet nowadays i see or i kind of see or i hope that i see or understand what he understood back then because i'm starting to appreciate most of these designs as much not necessarily because they are beautiful a lot of them are but not necessarily because of their ephemeral beauty but because of something deeper because most of these designs were these were designed through through a very contextual process most of them took into consideration um, physical realities cultural realities they were very relevant to the place and the people they were intended for and he made them very robust designs, very very robust designs. And as as one matures in understanding design, I think you get past the point where you're just looking at physical beauty, you're looking at functionality, and not just functionality in the general sense of the word, in the general way we understand functionality, but functionality as a system that is both relevant to the place, the the people, the process. Um, and the time you you can you on you understand design beyond beauty beyond physical beauty beyond functionality also on the, try to understand design as um, a representation of ideas and philosophies and not all ideas and philosophies are, are flashy and fancy and and even the ones that are sometimes design is supposed to be an abstraction of those philosophies of those ideas and not necessarily a direct representation so there's a lot of things to understand or to factor design by or to regard design by and one that is tending towards maturity in design understanding starts to realize all these things and you kind of start growing a special appreciation for some of these things so um 
the the significance of Kiri's uh, architecture to someone like me and I think to the architectural discourse, especially for young architects from Africa and from Nigeria, is that it's 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 high time we start disregarding our previous um, mindsets that regional, especially West African or African regional African architecture cannot be innovative. It's not a fancy mindset to have. If anything, it paints us, it presents us in poor light because the responsibility of presenting, of packaging our regional architecture to meet contemporary standards, it rests on us, it falls on us. And if we fail to do that and we're just expecting that it somehow will get there by virtue of its being, and then when it's not there, when it's not regarded as such, we shy away from it or we become ashamed of it and just abandon it and totally take on an entirely non-contextual vernacular just because that's what is trending, that's what is raining. Then, I don't know, I don't I don't know what that says about us as, as architects, as designers that should be innovative. I remember um, an interview of Francis Kerry I watched where he said irrespective of where he is building, irrespective of what economic context it is, his job is to take elements from his background, elements from his past and present them in the most innovative way as possible. Like it's not just about building with mud and building with um, um, you know, low cost materials that wherever the problem or whatever the um, context of the problem defined then he responds to it so if the context of the problem presents a, um, a huge budget and um, demands things that uh, exhibits that economic standing then of course he responds to that in a contextual way and in situations where the problem, where the challenge doesn't present all these affordances, he also responds to it accordingly. But that his job is to take elements from his background and present them in the most innovative way so people, wherever they are, wherever they're from, people that experience his design can see those things and, and understand that inspiring things can come out of Africa, can come out from his his village and not just misery and i think that that's the responsibility that falls on us as young nigerian architects we have to take responsibility for our regional architecture if you think it's not cool enough if you think it's not flashy enough then it's on you it's on me to take it up and and innovate around them and you know pick those things from the past because those things from the past were developed in response to the particular realities that we faced that we face in this region and so we can't just abandon them and we are not just holding on to them because of some some cultural mentality or something we are holding on to them because we understand that these designs back then were, were, were developed were conceived from very very um, responsive and contextual processes and we can't just abandon them like that and then go and adopt foreign concepts that don't really sit very very 
robustly that doesn't sit sustainably with, with our particular context, with our climate, with our region. So we have to innovate forwards. We have to pick some of these processes, some of these concepts that have existed for ages and then bring them up to par, bring them up to standard, bring them to the point where they are presentable enough to be innovative and to be celebrated. And at that point, we can now take pride in the fact that our regional architecture is something that the world wants to experience as well just the same way we enjoy experiencing Western architecture. So while I would end this conversation here, I hope that we take from, that what we take from this is an understanding of that responsibility we have to make sure that our regional architecture is developed to a place, to a point where would be proud of it where it to be celebrated both home and abroad where people would want to experience and understand the philosophies and the ideas behind those design concepts and that is that is that is my intention that is my motivation for creating this episode that being said thank you for listening and remember no matter how much your architecture gets out of sight, please never, never, ever let it get out of mind. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, share with an architect. It will really, really, really make me happy. Have a good day. Cheers. <laughs>